Hey guys, it's Kendall from Recording Lounge. It's February 28th, 2013, and it's time for a, well, it's not really a quick tip, but it's an addendum to the last show where we talked about setting up a mix and like how do you start a mix. Uh, basically, I want to run you through the next part of this, which is the effects setup. And this is something I didn't really get into last time because I didn't want to distract from the, the point of starting a mix. But um, basically, what I mean by effects setup is when I open up a session to mix, a lot of my effects are already on it. Now, I don't mean plugins like on individual tracks like kick drum, snare drum. I mean like my effects sends, right? Something that's on an aux that you route to. So, why is this? Well, first of all, it's nice to just have this stuff readily available. It's nice to be able to open a mix and say, okay, I've got, you know, four of my favorite reverbs and five of my favorite delays and a couple of my favorite other effects already there. And, you know, if I need them, I'll use them. If I don't, I won't. So, basically, when I open up a session, I've got a couple of things already set up. I've got a few blank audio tracks... I'm looking at a session right now, obviously, because I'm in one recording this. But uh, I've got a few blank audio tracks, and I've got all my groups. So I've got a lead vocal, I've got background vocals, drums, bass, rhythm guitars, lead guitars, and keys. So all those are already set up. And I mix with Slate VCC, Slate Virtual Console Collection. So the VCC uh, is already on the first insert of all of those buses. And also on my master bus, I've got the Slate mix bus on that as well. So those things are already in place. And whenever I get tracks to mix, that's generally what I'll have. You know, I'll have lead vocals, backing vocals, drums, bass, rhythm guitars, lead guitars, and keys. If there's other stuff like percussion, I might make a group for that, or I might send it to no group. I might just send it to the master. If there's, you know, other synths and stuff, I might group those. It just depends. But those are sort of my starting points. Now, my effects that are already set up, I've got, let's see here, about 16, 17, about 18 effects that are already set up on auxiliary sends. Okay, so I'll just kind of go through them a little bit. I've got a small room reverb, and this is... Uh, set up with just a pretty short like 0.6 second reverb um, I've got a large room reverb I have a mono room reverb so it's sort of like just up the middle sort of room reverb I have a plate reverb a shorter uh, this is I have a shorter plate reverb uh, 480L style and a longer plate reverb and then I have a really long and dark vintage type reverb like an EMT 250 and a lot of these reverbs are altiverb. Some of them are Redline Reverb, which is a really nice reverb plugin. Uh, I also really like the Oxford Reverb. I also really like the um, Valhalla DSP Valhalla Room plugin. That's a, a mouthful, I know, but it's a great reverb plugin. And it's only like 50 bucks. Check it out. It's called Valhalla Room. Uh, I've got a tape delay plugin uh, auxiliary setup, I've got a stereo slap delay a mono slap delay, a quarter note delay, a ping pong delay, um, an out of phase delay, so like the left and the right, you know, uh, feedback, uh, what, the repeats, if you will, are out of phase with each other. It's hard to explain, but um, I can just give a demo of all of these, actually. That would be pretty, pretty helpful. I've got a doubler. I've got a spring reverb. 
I've got a very quick slapback delay. I've got a longer slapback delay. And I've got a sort of weird channel that's kind of like a out-of-phase reverb sort of funky thing that I don't use very often, but every now and then it's cool. So basically, I'll give you a demo of these, okay? So we're going to start out with just a snare hit, right? And I'll show you an example of all these. That's our dry snare. This is the small room. Large room. Mono room. And now some of the plate reverbs, which I a lot of times will use for vocals and certain instruments. So I'm just going to speak so you can hear it on a vocal. This is my dry voice. Dry voice. 480L snare plate. 960L vocal plate. EMT 250. And now it's time for some delays. So tape delay. Here we go. Tape, tape delay. 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 Stereo slap delay. Mono slap delay. Quarter note delay. Stereo ping pong delay. Doubler. Doubler effect. Spring reverb. Mono short slap. Slightly longer mono slap. Out of phase delay. Weird out of phase reverb thing. Okay, so those are basically my effects. Now, I know that that was sort of a really quick run-through, and I know it seems like a lot of effects to set up. Now, the point is, they're already set up. Like, I don't have to ever set these up again. And will I use all of these? Heck no, I won't use all of these in a mix. I might use one or two reverbs. I might use one or two delays. But I've got them all there. Now, granted, I have a very high-powered computer that can handle this just being on in the background. And, you know, if I've worked my way through the mix and realize that I don't use any of them and the mix is basically done, then sure, I'll delete them then. But it's really nice when I just get an idea like, man, maybe the vocal needs a delay or maybe the vocal needs a reverb and I can just instantly send it to that and I don't have to, you know, pull it up and do this. Because again, you want to try to remove the technical elements from the mix. You want to try to keep it a fast and creative process. You don't want it to start getting into like, oh crap, what plugin should I use? I don't remember what I did before. And Oh crap, well maybe I'll use this preset. I guess that'll work. Um, so, you know, that, that that's annoying. So, here's the other part of this. All of these effects that are reverbs, so none of the delays, but all the reverbs have pre-delays on them. And the pre-delays are all in time. Okay, and what I mean by that is, right now, um, this session is set up at 120 BPM. Okay, that's a pretty straightforward, um, you know, tempo. Sounds like this. Okay, so, fine. Well, all of my reverbs have a delay on them, a pre-delay, before the reverb actually comes in. So how I do this is, I put a plug-in on the first insert of my auxiliaries, and... It is a plugin that is set to no feedback. Um, and so basically, no repeats. It's just one hit. And the delay is set to a specific value. And that's usually like a quarter note, or a 16th note, or an eighth note, or a, or a 32nd note. And 
Um, that allows the reverb to be in time. Now on the reverb plugin, this is very important, I put the pre-delay to zero because I want it to start immediately. Now, um, when it comes to stuff like this, um, I can give you an exaggerated example. So uh, here's our click and I will let you hear um, my reverb with a quarter note pre-delay. Quarter. Quarter. Okay, so you might be saying, why would I ever want to pre-delay that long? And the truth is, you probably won't, okay? But eighth notes, sixteenth notes, thirty-second note pre-delays, and obviously depending on the tempo, um, you know, are great. And the great thing about using a separate plugin uh, for the delay, the pre-delay, as opposed to the reverb, is that um, you can choose a plugin that has a sync function. I'm using the stock Nuendo Stereo Delay plugin, and I'm sure you can use the stock Pro Tools Delay plugin, which is great for this. Okay, so you can set it up to sync automatically to a quarter note or an eighth note or sixteenth note or whatever, and it will sync to whatever tempo you have, which means when I open up a session, no matter what the tempo is, my pre-delays are already set. They're already going to function as a quarter note or an eighth note, no matter what I change the tempo to, no matter if I change it in the last minute, whatever. Um, so that's great. And you might also say, well, I've never really messed with pre-delay. Why pre-delay? Why do we need a pre-delay? Well, in addition to what we ju I just said about the attacks of things, pre-delay is also a very real sounding part of reverb, okay? Pre-delay basically means how much time before the reverb actually happens. Well, in a real space, I mean, the reverb doesn't happen immediately, ever, like ever. So if you're in a room that is, let's say, 20 feet long, okay, and let's forget about the width for a second, let's just think a, a room that's 20 feet long, okay, well, the reflection from a snare drum, again, let's forget about the ceiling too, Going to that wall will take 20 milliseconds to get there and 20 milliseconds to come back. It's about a millisecond per foot, okay? And that's because sound travels at 1,130 feet per second. So close enough, okay? Millisecond per foot. So that's 40 milliseconds of pre-delay for you to actually hear that come back. And let's say the room is, you know, 20 by, oh, I don't know, 20 by 60, okay? Well, that's, you know, if you're in the center of the room, let's say now, well, that's 10 milliseconds to the 20-foot wall, 10 milliseconds back, so that's 20 there. There's a 20 behind you, then there's 30 on your left and your right. Okay, so that's 30 feet to the wall, 30 feet back, so that's 60. So, reverb does not happen immediately. Now, that's one of the main problems with small rooms for doing music, is that reverb happens so quick, it becomes less of a reverb and becomes more part of the sound, okay? So that's why it's so hard to get great sounds in a small space, because you can't really hear it as reverb. It's, it, you don't, you're like, well, I guess my room sounds okay. It doesn't really have reverb, but that's the point. It's effectively happening immediately, and it's thus happening all the time. So if you're playing your acoustic guitar in a small room, and you're like, I don't know, I guess it sounds good. Why can't I get good recordings, though? Well, the mics are picking up exactly what the room is hearing. Now, our ears are pretty good at separating things like that. We can we know the sound of our guitar, and so we're like, well, the guitar sounds good, but that doesn't matter, really. Like, you can't just go by what your ears say. Like, I know that sounds reverse, but you can't just listen to something in the room and say, well, I think it sounds good. 
Like, you have to listen through the mics as well. You have to split the difference and say, okay, well, the mic says this. So it doesn't really matter what I hear. It really matters what the mic hears because that's what's being recorded, not my ears. So if you're not getting good sounds or sounds that you're pleased with, if you're in a small room, and I'm talking under 2,000 cubic feet, you're probably going to have issues with what they call smearing, which means the reverb, quote, quote, is happening so fast and such so immediately, it's becoming a part of the transient hits of everything that you have, whether it's a snare or an acoustic guitar or a vocal. It's becoming like a part of that sound. And that's because the human ear is not very good at picking up the separation between like a delay and the actual sound source under about 20 milliseconds. Which means if your room is about 10 feet or anywhere about under 20 feet wide and 20 feet long and, you know, something of that nature, not that you'd want that, but anywhere under that dimension, your room is probably going to have issues like that that need to be treated. I mean, if it can be bigger than, you know, 20 by 20 or 20 by 18 or something like that, if it can be bigger than that, that would be good. But most people are working in small bedroom sizes, which are under about 15 by 15, under that range, and probably an 8-foot ceiling. So, again, this is my little spiel about why acoustic treatment is so important, and not foam. I'm talking about broadband acoustic treatment, because in this whole argument that we're talking about here, acoustic treatment effectively reduces reflections, and if you have enough of it, essentially can remove them. So if you have a wall, let's say, that's completely treated, you know, with four-inch bass traps, completely treated, it's almost like there's no wall there, okay? Because the reflections don't come back, or they come back with such low intensity that they're effectively not there. So that's why acoustic treatment is important, because you're essentially removing walls. And the more you can sort of get rid of that, the better, because you'll have less smearing, and, you know, you don't, again, you don't want the room to necessarily sound dead, but that's all, that all comes in time. You can, you can adjust that as it goes on, but acoustic treatment is so, so important. And if you can't get really, really solid dry sounds, it's going to be really hard to get sounds that sound good with effects on them, okay? Because the sounds by default need to sound very good, and effects should really only be used as a creative element, okay? Effects should not be used as a doctoring up element. And, you know, they should not be used as a, you know, like, oh, my voice doesn't sound good, put some reverb on it. Okay, if your voice doesn't sound good by default, then there's something else wrong. Okay, that's sort of the point I'm trying to get to in all of this, is that effects are great. And yes, I have a lot of effects. Do I use them all? No. You know, I use it for the creative process, okay? And I use it for the ability to have all this stuff read readily available. But if the dry sounds you're getting are not good, if you can't listen to your whole mix with no effects, there's something wrong. Like if it's driving you nuts to listen to the mix and it has no effects, there's something wrong. I mean, it was recorded poorly or whatever. So strive for better sounds, okay? Anyway, let's get back to our original conversation. So, effects. Um, 
most of my effects, obviously, as you as we've already talked about, are on auxiliaries or buses or ox buses or effects returns or whatever you want to call them. They are on those, and that's because that's the most efficient DSP wise, meaning you know it uses shared resources. So you can send the same reverb to five different sources, or I should say, you can send five different sources to the same reverb. And so that's fine and all. Are there occasions where I would put an effect on a track rather than on an aux? Yes. Um, are there occasions where I prefer it on the track and I always do it on the track? Yes. You know, as an insert, not a send. Um, yes. Are there occasions where I definitely prefer it as an auxiliary? Yes. All of these effects, too, are things that I've come up with, and they're not just single effects, you know? It might be a reverb, and it might have, you know, a delay after it, or it might have an EQ to adjust the reverb. Um, it might have, um, I have a vocal reverb that I really like that has a de-esser before the reverb. So the vocal sends to the reverb, but then there's a pretty strong de-esser on the reverb because I want the brightness out of the reverb, but I don't want the S's to really go crazy. Um, it's little things like that. I mean, you can, you can put anything on an auxiliary bus, right? You can put a compressor on there. You can put a delay and reverb and a chorus and whatever. You can put anything you want on there. You can put a stereo enhancer. So, you know, I have, I have one reverb that has that, that weird, uh, out of phase reverb one has like this, like spatial, processor that spreads the reverb really far and makes it sound like behind you and um, again you can you can mess with this stuff and if you find something you like keep it remember it you know save it as an effect save it as something you can work on and I've worked on all these for hours at a time you know these aren't just like presets that I found like oh yeah room reverb that sounds pretty good I mean these are things that I've very fine-tuned you know after years of working with them I, I, I've probably I originally started with a, a small room a large room uh, a plate uh, like a mono delay and a stereo delay and that's all I had and eventually I you know I went up to you know however many I have now and it's little things and they're all different each one is different it's a different plug-in it's a different this it's a different that they all have strengths they all have weaknesses and you learn that over time and it's very nice to just essentially pretend that they're pieces of hardware, right? Like, oh, that's my, you know, whatever. That's my plate reverb that I use on vocals. And pretend that that's what it is. Like, that's the main sound you get out of it. You can tweak it if you need to, which, again, I do. I do tweak things a lot depending on the song. I might make the reverb shorter or longer or brighter or darker. I might change the pre-delay. But the point is they're already there, okay? They're already there and they're quick, okay? I can make decisions quick. And if a client says, hey, can you put some reverb on my vocal? It's like, immediately I can, you know? And that's that's great for them, okay? So anyway, I hope you have gotten something out of this show. I hope it's made you think a little bit about why effects setup is important and how to catalog your effects, things that you like. And also, just, you know, understanding that effects are just icing on the cake. And if the cake tastes bad, I mean, icing's not going to help that much, let's be honest. So, um, I hope you guys have found this useful. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, email me at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. 
check out the Facebook page. Just search Facebook for, for Recording Lounge, or I believe it's facebook.com slash recordinglounge. Check out the blog, recordinglounge.blogspot.com. If you're interested in freelance mixing and mastering for your projects, I can do that. Email me, again, the same email for that. I'll talk to you guys next time.